Pastor in in the high school class. Uh, my wife and I have been doing youth ministry for almost a decade, and and we have three kids, two daughters who are born. One's four, one's two, and then one that's yet to be born in July. And so there she is. I don't know what else I should say, I guess, in the way. That's it. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, right? Um, but, but yeah, so I'm Jeff, and I have about 35 minutes worth of preaching. Can we hang for 35 minutes? I know you just had a service in there with Sam that was, was probably exceptional. I haven't, I haven't heard it yet, but it, it was? Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, if, if you can hang with me for about 35 minutes, then we'll have time uh, to do maybe some small group prayer time or work through some things together. But um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to do my best to click through this on time and at the right spot. Got announcements. Do I have to turn this thing on? No. There is a pause, a wait. There's a wait. So I clicked like 15 times. It's going to like... That was you? Okay, can you do it? I'm going to mess it up if I do it. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 3, um, the high school class has been in Ephesians. We've been walk, walking through it. Um, I'm going to pray here in a moment, but we, we just to give you some context, we're concluding chapter 3. That's kind of what we're going to do this morning. And we talked about some spiritual realities. So being in Christ... And what the implications, what that means and what the implications of that are. So when you're saved by grace through faith, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, spiritually something wild happens. You're put in Christ. Okay? We're placed in Christ. We're baptized in His death, raised in newness of life. And so we're placed spiritually in Christ. And Ephesians tells us that... Well, if we're in Christ, we're seated in heavenly places where Christ is, right? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. So we're in Christ up there, kind of mind-boggling, right? So we've been talking about what does that mean for us? How does that change who we are and how we live and all these things? And then as we got into chapter 3, we, uh, we see that Paul is describing some more of those realities, those spiritual realities, and he talks about... Uh, this mystery, this big mystery uh, in Scripture that is the church and how what we do on Sunday mornings was kind of unheard of. In the Old Testament, like believers being in Christ, Jews and Gentiles being together, like fellowship, what? You know, it's kind of crazy stuff. And he, he's describing, man, I'm, I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. God wants to use me, Paul, to 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 preach this and to teach this and to reveal this new position that we have in Christ. So then today we're going to we're going to talk about Paul's prayer in light of of those things, in light of the reality. And I'm going to pray after this, but but get this, this prayer that he's praying is in light of the reality that in Christ, right? In Christ we have bold access to the Father. We can come with boldness to God. We can lay all of our things, we can lay all of these things at His feet with confidence that as our Father, He wants to hear us and He wants to be with us. 
So we're going to look at some things in that light. Um, let's pray and then, and then we'll dive in together. Father, thank you for your word. God, I do want to hide behind your word. We want to hear from you. We need to meet with you. And, and there's things we're probably already chewing on from the first service. And so I just pray that this would be an extension, that you would continue to, to, to speak into our lives your word. That God, we would be freed from, um, man, maybe there's oppressive or um, binding or, or harsh thoughts and realities that we live in the midst of. And God, would your word free us from that? Would you help us and allow us, liberate us to see who we are in Christ? Give us an eternal perspective on our situations this morning. Give us uh, encouragement. Help us along with what you're calling us to do and, and, and the things that you want us to obey. God, would you just give us grace this morning to follow you and, and to walk with you um, this week, man, with, with the rest of today. Give us grace to walk with you. And God, we love you. We just give this time to you for you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll, we'll jump into verse 13. As I said, the, the context is... Um, Paul's talked about, hey, you have boldness to come into the throne room. And he says this in verse 13. He says, Wherefore, that's why, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, I'm going to confess something that I confessed to Kylie uh, the other day. For my whole life, I've read verse 13 where he says, Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you. I thought he was saying that he was giving tribulations to the church. I was like, what in the world does that mean? So every time I'd read that, I'd be like, I'm just moving on. Don't understand. Whatever. You know, there's something there that I don't see. And so I was looking at some commentaries, like maybe they'll shed some light on this. They don't even mention it. I'm like, what is this thing? You know, what is he talking about? And I was like, okay, Lord. And I look at the verse. And I'm like, oh, that's not what he meant. He meant the tribulations that he has that he's going through himself for or on behalf of the Ephesians. Okay, what are those tribulations? What is Paul going through? Well, Ephesians is one of the, the prison epistles, you can call it. He's in prison when he's dictating, when he's writing this, this letter. So he's going through some, some trials and tribulations, right? And he's, he's in prison because he's standing up for the gospel and he's preaching the mystery of the church. He's preaching the gospel and the government and the world does not like that, right? And so he's experiencing these tribulations and they are for the Ephesians. And he says, hey, don't faint at that. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about that. Now, because the church has such bold access to the Father through the faith, uh, Paul doesn't want them to faint or despair. He's like, don't worry. You can go to the Father. And I would imagine, he doesn't say this because Paul's, he, I mean, he's, he's the man. But he's probably hoping, hey, I just told you about all this access that you can have going to the Father. Hey, don't worry about me. Maybe he's hoping, I know I would be hoping that, hey, you have this access, so please pray for me, okay? Don't faint, don't worry, pray, right? Come boldly into the throne room, and I'm in prison, and, and pray for me. That's what I would say, but Paul doesn't say that, okay? Uh, but he is calling them to exercise uh, their faith and their prayer. 
he says previously, to go to the throne room. But here he's saying, don't worry, I'm seated in heavenly places. He's living out that reality of his eternal, his spiritual perspective that I'm in Christ, I'm in heaven, so don't worry about me, right? And here's what we see from that. Here's what we can pull. There's going to be some needs that we'll look at. And need number one is that we need peace from our worship. Paul demonstrates he has peace in his worship. He's saying, man, we can come boldly to the throne. So don't worry about me. We need that same peace, right? Paul, in distress himself, tells the church not to worry, but be at peace. And be at peace because they have access to peace. They have access to peace in the throne room of God, and we have access to peace in the throne room of God, where we can lay our burdens and our requests at His feet. We see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think it's, it's super, um, it's not a coincidence that we start off with prayer and we've got these things that we're trusting God for. And then God says, hey, yeah, come boldly. Let's lift this stuff up. Come to me regularly. Bring this stuff to my feet. I want that. And so I've got some things for you to get. i got something for you to get. Is how I'm going to phrase um, the things that we need to get. We need to get in God's presence in prayer. We need that. We got access. Let's get in His presence in prayer, in His Word, in worship of Him, and there we'll find that peace. So you've got access to peace. Well, hello. We've got access to peace. Well, we've got to go get in His presence to get that peace, right? It's accessible, but it is a choice. And we do have to choose every day whether we're going to go to the throne room and get it or we're going to avoid it and, and we're, going to, we're going to neglect that. And then we'll live in worry and we'll be anxious and we'll be depressed and we'll be down. And the world will get a hold of our heads and our hearts and we're going to feel like the world is winning because it is. Because we're not taking advantage of the access that we have. Let's get into His presence in prayer, in His Word, and in worship. And so, Paul continues in verse 14 through 16. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He says, That He would grant you, here's His prayer request for the Ephesians, for the church, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's one of my favorite verses. And I, I, I know that many of you probably feel throughout the week, like, man, we need peace. Maybe you feel like, man, I, I just feel worn out. I feel tired. I feel discouraged. I feel like I can't spiritually stand and walk. I feel all beat up feel like my kids or my life are just, it's just crazy. It's like, it's so discouraging and I'm just, I feel defeated. Paul, consider the irony, Paul is in prison in an awful situation and he's praying for the church that they would be strengthened in, in the inner man. Consider, Paul's got some strength. 
right? If he's praying for strength for others and he's in a hard situation, he's got to have that strength in the inner man. And he's praying that for them. And man, don't we need strength in our inner man to be able to get up and stand and present the word of life to, to whoever it is in our life? Maybe it's just to ourselves. Maybe we feel defeated and we need to stand up and say, what does God say for me in my life, in my situation right now? So I'm tired of losing. Where does that strength come from? What? With the Spirit of God. But Paul, it's so ironic. He's the one in the hard situation praying for strength for others. He's not praying, nor is he suffering for himself. He's in prison for preaching, and he's in prison praying for those he got in trouble preaching for. And it takes us back to an important verse that we covered uh, in the high school class. Verse 1, this, this marks Paul's character, and it kind of gives us insight into how he is this way. What is his mentality? He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I don't have any rights. I belong to him. I surrendered my rights. I've been captured. He's captured my heart. He's captured my life. He bought it with the price. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. But I don't just belong to him to belong to him. I belong to him for you Gentiles, he says. His mind has been transformed. He didn't just get saved and he's like, man, I'm saved. Wow, it's so wonderful to be in Christ. He gets saved to then turn his eyes on the people and, and let God's spirit that strengthens his inner man, man, to pray that the spirit would go through to other people, right? He's got his perspective that's right lined up with who Jesus was, right? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came to give his life a ransom. Paul knows his purpose in life, and because of that, he's at peace in prison and praying for the people he loves. And again, what strength must he have to be able to ask for strength for others when he's in that hard situation? And that brings us to need number two. Need number two is that we need strength for the work. We need strength just to stand in the evil day, right? We need strength to stand this week. We need God's grace just to wake up tomorrow. But our life is much more than that. Our life is much more than just standing to stand. Our life is, we got to stand. We need strength to get to work. And what does it mean to get that strength? How do we do that? How do we get envisioned to be strengthened and then to serve? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 to 18, kind of lays it out um, in other terms. He says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Now check in here. He says, For which cause we faint not. Everything's going to work out for your good. God's using the hardships in our life. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish... Yet the inward man is renewed. How do I get strengthened? I get renewed. 
day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. To be strengthened, okay, get this, follow me here. To be strengthened is to be renewed. We're called to renew our minds with His Word, right? So we need to get His Word in. We need to be refilled. We need to be refueled. We need to be re-strengthened. So that when we see life and all the hardships that are happening, we're like, well, this is, God's got a purpose for this. And maybe I'm going through this hardship because someone close to me is going to go through a hardship and I'm going to be able to minister to them in that. Life's tough, but God could use me still. Maybe I could be used to, to share truth with a neighbor. I could be shared, uh, used to share truth with a, a kid, someone at work. I'm so tired, I'm bogged down at work. Well, you can look at it that way, be defeated, or you can say, man, God, I need strength in my inner spirit. So we got to get that so that we can give that. So here's the something that you've got to get. We need to get full of faith in our situations. Get full of faith, believing that God's going to use you in it, and He's going to use it in you, right? Get full of His Spirit, full of His Word, right? And there, find strength. It's kind of cool to, to work with the high school students because in their mind, which maybe this is in your mind too, I don't know, but in their mind, they can't, they can't do anything. They have more excuses than anybody. Right? They're like, well, I can't, I can't do it because I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know the Bible well enough, or I haven't been in church long enough, or I, I only come sometimes, or I've, you know, I've got this situation, or I, I sin like this, or I, I do this, and, and I'm this way, and I, I don't know how to talk to people, and they've got all these excuses, right? I've heard them all, all of them, and they're all garbage. They are. What we need is to not collect excuses for why we can't engage with whatever God might call us to. We need to get full of, ex uh, not excuses, full of, we need to get full of faith, right? Just believing that it doesn't matter how weak I am. If God is strengthening me, I can do any. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, right? We need to be full of faith in that. We need to be, we need to meet Him in His Word. Be filled with the Spirit. Let Christ dwell in our hearts richly. Right? Strengthening, renewing our mind. And in that line, uh, in that line of thought, the verses continue in 17. Paul says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Okay, so now we see I need to be strengthened, and now we see our motivation. We're rooted and grounded in, in love that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ. We need to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. He says that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. We need our motivation in life and in ministry to be the love of God coming into us and through us. So as I, I read through those verses, I thought, what is the breadth, length, depth, and height of His love? What does that mean, you know? And I think he puts that in there as, a, as an illustration for preachers, right? Paul, a preacher, is preaching to us. The breadth, the length, the depth, and height. Well, if God is love, okay, God is eternal, 
God is outside of a box. We can't box God in. Well, then the same could be said of his love. His love is is limitless. His love reaches everything. Amen. Right? Okay, so in light of that, uh, there's some scriptures, there's some, some descriptions of God's love through Jesus Christ. And we can use the breadth, length, depth, and height to do that. And considering the breadth of God's love, I, I think about Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And his arms are wide open. And as he stretched his arms out, wide on the cross, his death and life showing yet open arms. Open arms, all of them. Anybody. Right? And you see, you see him in his life through the Gospels. His arms are open to the children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. His arms are open to prostitutes, to the worst of the worst, to the, the, the off, the off, cast off, the cast offs, the castaways, right? To everybody. Arms are wide open. He doesn't say, no, you can't come. No, you can't come. His arms are wide open. That's the breadth. The length. He was placed up on the cross and his body hung down. His feet stretching the length of the beam. He suffered long throughout his life. And in those last days of his life, right, he's suffering for a very long time, being tortured, brutalized, disgraced, disrespected by his own creation. And he didn't snap at him. His love suffers long. He put in long days. In his ministry, laboring, teaching, ministering, miracles, serving. The length of his love, man. And the depth. So after he cries out, it is finished up on the cross. And he gives up the ghost. He's brought, he's brought down. And he's buried in the grave. And from the grave he travels into hell. To conquer sin and death. For us to have life. He took... He took the, the, the deepest of punishments. He went all the way down there, separated from the Father for us. Reaching down to deliver captivity captive. His life and his sacrifice shows us how deeply God loves us, right? And the height. Jesus puts the capstone on, on this display of his love when he ascends into heaven, right? And as he ascends, it's, it's demonstrating his deity, right? In the conclusion of this first advent, where he goes to prepare a place for us. And the height of God's love. God loves people. And if we could just consider from Scripture how much God loves us, and how much God loves people, and what he was willing to pay to show his love, to give his love to us, we realize, John 15, 13, there's greater, greater love hath no man than this. There's no greater love than that. Than that a man lay down his life for his friends. You and I don't have access to a greater love than that which we will find in Jesus Christ. There's no greater love in the world. No one's going to love you like God does. And I told your kids this morning, your parents, some of them are excellent and they love you a lot, but they can't even love you like God does. Because they don't have as much to surrender and sacrifice for you. God had everything, and He gave it up for us. Right? And if we could get a hold of this simple truth, the love of God, how much God loves, if we could get a hold of that, 
And if we could get get full of it, of this selfless, sacrificial love, if we would, if we would let that in, I believe our Sunday mornings, the Tuesday evenings, the Bible studies, the events, the different things that this ministry does, I believe that if we were full of the love of God, it would be overflowing out of us. And these services would be chock full of people flocking to come get the love of God. Right? People are drawn to that kind of kindness and selflessness. We were drawn to that. Like We, know, we can testify to that. We didn't come here because of any other reason than, man, God's love is good. And I need some of that. I need all of that. Right? So our need number three is that we need the love of God for the war. The reality is God loves and He poured out His love and He gives His love right for us. And again, it's not just for us to receive His love and, and be really happy. We, we, we get that. We want that. We need that. But He pours His love into us but through us. Why? Because it's a war. Because people are dying and going to hell. People are dying and going to hell. Frequently, you know, often. Our neighbors, man, our family members, they need the gospel. They need the love of God. It's a war, and we've got to use this love of God. We've got to let it use us to get to them. We've got to, we've got to trust that God is going to answer our prayer for the lost. We've got to trust Him for strength to just be bold, to, to go confront someone who's lost. And then we've got, to, we've got to have the love of God in us to be able to give that to others. And the older I've gotten, which I'm not very old, I recognize that, but I know that having children and hanging out with youth a lot, I, I, I thought in my younger days that, man, I just, I'm full of love. I'm like the loveliest person I know. Man, I just love everybody. And I do love people, but... I think that that's more so that I'm, my disposition is I'm, I'm fairly pleasant and cordial and, and I don't like to like upset people. I'm a people pleaser and I like to be approved of men and, and that kind of thing. And, and what I've realized is I'm actually without the, the real love, the true love, the biblical love of God and the grace of God poured into my heart and my life daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Without that, I'm actually just a naturally selfish, proud, unloving man. At my core, who I actually am in the flesh, in and of myself, I'm kind of despicable. And that I don't have actual selfless love to offer from myself. And I would propose in loveness, in loveness, in kindness and love, in loveness, and love, I would, I would propose that that's you too. That you don't actually have anything to offer the people who need the love of God. In and of yourself. So what we need, what we've got to get, is we've got to get on our face. Get on your face. Get your heart in your hands and let God love you. Because you can't love someone with something that you haven't been loved with first. You don't have it. 
You can't give something you don't have. Get your heart in your hands and during the praise and worship and in the services and in your quiet time in the morning and, and whenever you're coming before God's presence, get your heart out and say, Lord, here it is. Here's what I've done. Here's where I'm at. Lord, I'm sorry. I need your love today. I need you to fill me today. Let them love and forgive and show you grace. And then, and then you get that. Oh, there's a deep breath. I'm liberated. I'm forgiven. I'm loved by God. I'll do anything for him. I'm now indebted to him. And I've got something to give to others. So let's begin to conclude this, this chapter and, and the message this morning. In verse 20 and 21. Excuse me. Paul says, Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So we need to see that there is a power. It is God's. God's power working in us that wants to work through us. Right? And He is able to do that. He's able to do even more. Right? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You and I, we think, man, I'd really like to have someone come to a Bible study and join me in Bible study. I'd really like to like share the gospel with somebody. God's like, I'd really like to, you, to use you to disciple somebody. I'd really like to, to use you to lead someone to the Lord. I'm thinking above what your expectations are. I'm thinking I want to I blow your world up with how I can use you by giving you my word and my spirit and the body. And, and you could be a ministry machine laying your life down for people. He's thinking up here, we're like, I'd really like an open door to like talk about my faith, which is good. Do that. I'll be ready to be stretched. Be ready for a wide open door. My wife is, uh, she's great for me because I'm, I like people, but I, I'm not very, I wouldn't say I'm not bold, but I'm not really like, it's hard for me to meet new people. It's hard for me to like talk with them. Like, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. What it is. She's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm just, I feel awkward, okay? I feel awkward right now, all right? <laughs> but she doesn't. She, she is unafraid to talk with people. And that's good for me because she'll make friends with people and then invite them to our house. And then I have to meet them, right? And it's her friends <laughs> and, and their husbands. They'll come over and I get to interact with them. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Because... My expectation is like, man, Lord, just let me, you know, preach your word and then I'll go home and you know, hide. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to use you for so much more. I want to open this up and make you uncomfortable. And I want to use you and I want to make you fruitful in ways that you may not even be thinking about. Don't you know God wants to make you fruitful in that way? And he's able to do it despite you and your weaknesses. Now, to be clear, it may not be an instantaneous super exciting and thrilling thing where you're, you're made fruitful. You may say this morning, you know what? I need that. I need to trust God. I need to be, I need to be trusting Him for peace, for my worship and my prayer. I need, I need to trust God for strength to do this. I need to trust God for the love of God to pour out in me and through me. I need these things, but what do I do now? And it may not be something real exciting. You may not go to work and lead 10 people to the Lord. 
It may not be some big explosion of fruit. It might be that you manifest the fruit of the Spirit in a way that you haven't in a while. Maybe you have joy. Maybe you have real peace, real love in your heart. You've been anxious through COVID, and now, man, I just trust and surrender to God. Wow, where did this peace come from? And then all of a sudden, people are going to see that, right? And over time, the fruit is bearing in your life, and people are like, oh, man, I want to be around that. I I need that. And then they follow you, follow you here. And God's doing it. And He will make you fruitful if you will be faithful to abide in Christ. John 15, 5, Jesus lays it out real simple for us. We're on the home stretch here. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Here it is. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. It's as simple as that. You don't have to be impressive. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to have a whole bunch of availability in your life. You don't have to go to LFBI for years and get, you know, I mean, like, those are all really good things. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things in place. You don't have to do anything except for abide in Christ. Let Him do His work in you. And He will make you fruitful. Jesus says, for without me, you can do nothing. You're wasting your time. And if we'll be, if we'll allow God to use us to make us fruitful, that's going to result in Him getting glory by His Son now and forever. It's an eternal thing. God getting glory from our lives. God getting glory from the church. So here's the conclusion. Here's the things we've talked about. Here's what we need to walk away. Here's the exhortation. We need to trust God. Can we make this decision? Can we consider this? Work through this in your mind, in your heart. Will you trust God for peace and answer to prayer? Will you trust God for peace and answer to prayer? This week, will you trust God for strength for the work? Maybe you know at this point what God has called you to do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're going to find out tomorrow when when a door opens at work. Maybe you're tired and worn out. Will you trust God for strength? Will you trust God for love for the war? Letting God love you so that you can love others. Just basking in His love. And finally, will you trust God for fruit, for His glory? Man, I want those things. I want those things real bad. I really want to be fruitful. I, I really want to, at the end of, of my life, and you know, I'm, I'm with the Lord and, and the judgment seat of Christ, and I'm standing before Him. I really want to say that, man, on March 28th, I surrendered to those things. I'm, I'm trusting you for those things. This, that, that week, I, I, I went into that week trusting you for fruit. Trusting you for strength, for, for all those things. I really want to be able to say that I did that. And I really want to say that on March 29th, I, I went into that week saying the same thing. And then on March 30th, I went into that week trusting you for the same things. And, and God, look at the things that you did through my life. And then on March 31st, 31 in March, right? On March 31st, I trusted you for those things, and I want to be able to go through my life and say, I surrendered, and I let you do it. 
You did awesome things in my life. Don't you want that? Man, we need that. We need that. And so I'm going to pray. And then um, we can spend the rest of our time maybe in some groups praying through this, sharing. Does that work? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, your word changes us. God, sometimes it cuts and sometimes it hurts. And, and, it, and it's so good because, God, your word, it, your spirit, it heals us and it comforts us. God, and, and, and you conform us and, and you, you're, such a, you're such a master uh, builder. You're such a, a, a master artist just forming us into exactly what you want us to be. Using our lives, using the things in our lives, using your word by your spirit and the people in our lives, you're forming us into what you want us to be. And God, I, I just want to, I want to acknowledge that it's you that does the work in and through us and, and ask you that you would do that, that you would help us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us grace to follow you and to walk with you this week. God, give us peace and liberty from our excuses and, and from the hardships of life. Give us the perspective that Paul had where we're not fainting. It's all good. Because we're in heavenly places. We're with you. And if we have you, nothing can move us. God, help us to to find ourselves in that place. And God, be glorified in our lives this week and today. And um, man, we love you, God. We're thankful to you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.